evening, everyone. <laughs> it's good to meet you. Um, praise God. <laughs> I feel like um, I'm returning back to my home <laughs> after having come away for a while. Um, amen, amen. It's a bit overwhelming for me um, that worship was something very special. Thank you, Brother Sam, for leading us to this time. And I hope it felt very special to you too. Maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe I'm um, <laughs> just saying it's special because I'm here. But I was watching um, your worship streaming for this whole week, believe it or not. Because <laughs> I wanted to get used to the environment of the Semo Church here. And so I was watching. And the other times that I was watching, I mean, no, no offense on this. I hope you don't take a hit on this. But it didn't feel quite the same as tonight. <laughs> So tonight felt very special. I was blown away. I think I'm most blessed out of all of us uh, for that worship. So thank you again and praise God for that. Um, if you are okay with, uh, may I just ask to pray one more time? Okay. Um, God, we are here um, with a certain thirst and a hunger that only we know that you can satisfy. God, that hunger is so, so big. It could be felt in this room, Lord. And Perhaps it's even screaming out from the screens of the online viewers. But, Lord, we could totally sense our thirst and the hunger for more of God in our lives. Whether because we've experienced it before or, God, we've only heard of it. But, Lord, all the same, we come here with that thirst and hunger. And, Lord, out of desperate cries of faith to ask that you will satisfy that hunger here. So, Lord, we give this time holy to you, Lord, Holy Spirit, for you to work in us now. And God, use your servant, use this time for your word to be given at the right time of the right truth, of the right direction that you are leading to the church and to all the congregate members that are spread all across the world. So God, we ask you receive all the glory over everything that is spoken, done, thought, and just breath, breathe in this place. So Lord, thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, I need to take a breath because that was something. I, I wish we could have just worshiped more. We don't even need the message. We could have just worshiped for like two more hours. That would have been awesome. So hello again. Um, would you just turn to your neighbor real quick and just, um, just, it's a greeting but a confession if you may say, by saying God is here with us. Can we just say that with a big smile to each other? God is here with us. God is here with us. God is here with us. Amen. Um, today, I'm here to basically share a very um, well-known story. So don't expect anything new. <laughs> um, I don't got that. Um, you could probably tell by me I'm a very simple person. I don't have that academical mind like PP here and uh, <laughs> Pastor Jung. I mean, you, you can't, you can't, you can't even compare. But I'm here to say and share to us about a common story that we know from the Bible. Yet, I believe that God has a word that He wants to say to all of us. Um, I just want to start off with a little intro thought. Um, I met Pastor Jung. Um, I think it was last week or two weeks ago, two weeks ago, something like that. It was a pleasant surprise because it was not expected. Although Pastor Jung has a special place in my heart. I'm not just saying this because you're here or I'm here. But I was always eager to meet with Pastor and just kind of share heart to heart and just connect. Because it's been, I think, gosh, Pastor said like five, ten, seven, ten. A lot of years passed since we met and connected. And there's stuff that I wanted to tell him. I mean, it's the same message. It's just to tell him. I love you, Pastor, and I appreciate everything you've done. But it just felt like it wasn't portrayed well um, upon our departure. So I just wanted that time, and God made it happen. It was a surprise. It was a shock. So I was very blessed by that meet. I hope it was a blessing to you too, Pastor. But it was really, really good time for me. It was totally unexpected. But coming home, I was talking with my wife, and I was saying, that felt planned. <laughs> I feel like I got rigged into this. You know what I mean? Anybody ever get that feeling? You get, like, pulled into something, you feel rigged. Like, you, you, to you, it's a surprise, but in the hindsight, you think that it was planned out all along. And I'm sure as great of a man and as great of a thinker Pastor Jung is, I don't think he could go that far to plan it out, you know, for this exact occasion to happen at a perfect time. It's all God. Amen, church, right? Amen. 
orchestrated in his perfect plan. And that led me to think that his imprint, his design of every event happens not as coincidence, but it happens with a specific design to occur at a perfect time. Y'all should say amen to that, right? Unless my accent is so bad that you can't hear through the English. But anyway, God designed every detailed uh, moment of history and God reveals this all in that book of Bible that we know. I mean, I'm saying the obvious things, right? There is a beginning, there is a process, and there is the end. And God makes it very clear. None of that is to be second-guessed, but it's very clear what God is trying to do. Here's one more thought I want to draw at it. Did you realize that before the Bible starts with there was a beginning, right? And at the very end where he says this is how it's going to end, and after that, it's all surrounded by eternity. Do you guys realize that? Starts off with the perfect eternity of God himself being present, the sovereignty of his own, just reigning, doing whatever he's doing, right? But come the entrance of man and he tries to share that with us. Crazy God, I don't know why he does that. See, if I'm God, I wouldn't do that because y'all was going to break my heart, you know what I'm saying? But God, even knowing that, he wanted to just go that distance and he wanted to share that with the people. Do you guys remember what that place was called? The very first place where men were supposed to have intimacy with God in? Y'all don't know it, but you're just like shy, so you don't want to say it. Garden of Eden, right? So Garden of Eden, in that place, was supposed to be a perfect relation, yet we know the story, fall of man, the whole process, redemption, you know the big theological terms. But the key is that one day, God is going to bring it all together, and he's going to end it. And when it ends, what's going to happen is he's going to bring us back in with him to reap of that perfect relationship and that intimacy with God in absolute perfection. Wow. Isn't that exciting? Not really. Because we don't really sense it yet, right? We only hear about it, and that's my point. But see, I want you to know that this is not just a statement to be thought for. But what God does in this storytelling is not just a narrative of one view, but God is laying down in an actual script. Remember I said rigged, right? He rigs the entire environment so that all the people in the midst while will be running around thinking, what's going on? But him, according to God, everything's running according to the exact scripted play of God. And that's where we're headed. You with me? You guys agree? Yeah, it's good stuff, right? I mean, that's obvious fact. But see, this is where I feel like our story comes in to play. Because what God does, ever since the Garden of Eden incident, right, and the fall, people fall off you know, all over the place. From then, God keeps talking about a specific thing. You know what he says is, never settle for what you have here, but there is a place better for you. How many guys believe that? Right? There's a place better for you. So he starts off by saying, there will be great blessing to all of you, to all the nations and all that stuff. And there, Abraham, I don't know what he's thinking, but me as a reader in the first hand, I'm thinking, a blessing for them now. Right? But God's mind seems greater. He says, your descendants are going to be like numerous. And I don't want to go into the whole detail of the Bible. But it sounds like God's up to something bigger. And sure enough, it appears when Moses comes into picture. And God starts revealing his plan by saying this. Repeat after me. Promised land. Yeah? And so he's pointing the direction of the people to something that's better that's coming. And about this time is the backdrop of the story that we're going to get into. You know about Moses, right? We all know about Moses. So here's a scripture, and this is a very, very famous scene. I'm just going to read it straight through. Verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. I think that needs all of us to say. Can we say that together? I am who I am. You need to say it with a deep bass voice, right? God's voice, right? And he said, say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. 
God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Do you all know this story? Do you guys know it by reading the Bible? <laughs> or do you guys know it because you've attended enough Sunday school lessons? Or perhaps, let me help you out, Prince of Egypt, <laughs> right? Oh, somewhere down the line, you've heard the story, right? You know the story of Moses, and you know what's going on here. God basically called him out, and he said, dude, I choose you, right? Imagine, Pokemon, Pikachu, I choose you. And he goes, no, <laughs> right? It's the same situation. Moses is saying, are you sure? Are you sure? And God's really recalling on this point. Look, the background even further in a brief explanation goes like this. Here is something you need to understand about Moses. Moses was born to the house of Levites. Did you know that? I'm going to be honest. That re never really occurred in my mind until this sermon prep. <laughs> Pardon, Pastor. I'm shaming the, the Christian theology side of things. But it I just never occurred to me. I always bypassed that. I was like, oh, Moses is Moses, right? But did you know that he was born in the house of Levites? You know what that means? He is in the generations of God's highest priesthood. You know what I'm saying? None of those guys could do whatever they want. They had to live by a certain structure lifestyle, and that's him. And was also raised by the royal family. You know what happened. Moses got thrown into the river, right? And then got picked up by the, the princess of Egypt, right? And ever since then, he becomes a royalty. So think about this. Moses was taught Levitical background, which means the highest worship of God was taught to him, not as religion, but as lifestyle. Think about that for a second, because in a moment, it's not going to sound like a story anymore. You're going to be able to concur with this, I believe. All right? You with me? But as raised up as a Levite, he was also able to reap the benefit of royalty because he was belonging to the king's family. So when he steps out, dude, people respect if he has a little frown, people get scared. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure it's not like that in this church, but just think like someone like Sam or something just kind of walks in and be like, <laughs> and then everybody just kind of get like nervous, you know, because it's like the PK. No, it doesn't work like that here. But you get my point, right? <laughs> That's silly. But he had so much recognition, right? And Moses knew about the historical account of where his roots are coming from, obviously, as a Levite. So what that means is this. He knew who he was called to be, and he knew about the promise of God. I don't know. When I was reading into this, I was like, dude, doesn't sound like old-time story. It actually sounds like our life. Anybody here born in a church family? Anybody? There you go. A couple of you guys, right? At the church that I'm currently serving, Cornerstone, I asked a couple of our high school girls that just graduated. I'm like, dude, so when did you come to this church? And she just looked at me like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm serious. When did you come to church? I, I've only been here for three years. What you got, right? And she's like, I didn't come to this church. I was born in this church. Like literally, right? And so many of our church guys were like that. They were born in that church. Which means what? My church apparently has 33 years, two, three Three, all right, there you go. 33 years of history, and as it goes back, it's a deep root of prayer, they say. Our old, the first founding pastor was a man known for prayer, man of knees. So it was very intensive every time these kids came to church. I'm not just talking about my church, huh? Doesn't it sound like you guys, right? When you come to, like, church, like, you're expected to pray a certain way just because all the adults are praying. You know what I'm saying, Right? And if you don't pray the same way, like, you got to fake it or something, right? How many guys ever went to the retreat and you're forced to cry? You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Sam, anybody but you? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You, you think about all the saddest thoughts because, like, you know, you need to think about Jesus and cry, but you don't. Right? And all these things. And that was Moses. I want you to find some threadings of connection. Let me move on because if I keep going like this, it's going to take 10 hours, all right? Moses was burning with a passion then because he knew who he was. He knew what he was out to do. So this guy was righteous. Hear me out on this. Out of righteousness, he looked for an opportunity to break the darkness with his righteousness. And he found an occasion. He saw an Egyptian dude 
messing with his homie. Well, not really his homie, but one of his guys, right? And so he, he, he looked around. He's like, all right, there's got to be justice because my people are royalty people, not just of his Egyptian, you know, the family he belonged to. But he's talking about Hebrews, the Jews. He said, we are God's people. Don't mess with us. So he looked for the opportunity, and I don't know how he did it, but the Bible says he struck him and he died, right? And so now he's thinking, I should be the next hero of this nation. So he walks out of pride. He's looking to see another opportunity. And the next thing he finds, right, I don't know how much time passes. You know the story. He finds two Hebrew guys fighting, and he steps in, and you could tell that pride in his voice. He says, why are you guys fighting? You guys are brothers. And the guy looks at him and says, who made you judge over me? Who you think you got? Wait, what? Who you think you are? <laughs> right? And then Moses has double shock at this point. Number one, right? Well, by the way, the end of that statement was, who you think you are? What, you're going to kill us like you killed the Egyptian? Right? So he has double shock. One, oh, it's found out <laughs> that you killed somebody. Two was the fact that I should be recognized as heroes. But why are they looking at me as a criminal? You know what I'm saying? Do you really know what I'm saying? <laughs> I was really blessed by the um, July 4th service that you guys had with Pastor John. I'm telling you, I, looked, I watched, right? Because he brought forth Korean history, right? About, the, you know, the, the, the separation and, you know, the, the Incheon and all that stuff, which I shouldn't go in detail because one of my guys here, he doesn't understand jack about this, right? But we're good, right? So anyway, <laughs> one of, um, what was I saying before that? <laughs> um, yeah, I was blessed by the July 4th story. And here's the thing. You know, Korea was colonized for a long time by Japan, right? So there is a dude that came in and, you know, you know, like the lunchbox. Uh, this is the best I could do, so bear with me, anybody that's non-Korean watching this. The lunchbox, he made it into a bomb. <laughs> he threw it at the face of the leader and blew up, right? Japanese calls that person a terrorist. You get that? But you know what Koreans call that man? We call him the hero, legendary hero. We look up to him, Dr. On. Am, am I saying it right? <laughs> I forget my Korean heritage here, but you, you understand, right? So he was expecting the same thing. He's like, dude, I stepped in for you guys. You better recognize. But yet the shock came, and the next verse immediately says Pharaoh's out to kill him. So he does only option that he can do. What does he do? He runs away because he is now labeled as a delinquent Troublemaker. He himself is feeling like a failure. Okay? Troublemaker. To this Moses is God appearing to. To this Moses. Out of all so many people, God appears to this Moses. And if anything sticks with you today, I hope that does. This image of Moses, I don't know what it looks like to you, but I'm trying to lay out to the best I can to the background of what Moses represented. And it is to this Moses God appeared and God showed him his plan. God needed to make sure first that he gets Moses' attention. All right? So I'm just going to skim past verse 2 of chapter 3. It says the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And that totally caught him off guard to the point where verse 3, Moses says, I have to see this great sight why the bush is not being burned. He had to see it. Why? Because it's out of the norm. You see, you got to understand, God, in order to catch the attention of us, you know he's not going to speak in a language that you do not understand. Do you get that? I don't know what I look like. I look, some, some people are fooled to think I'm very academic. I'm not. I'm very dumb up here. Because <laughs> my brain, my, my, my skill points was all squished into the musical side of it in God's design, whether you believe it or not, right? So people ask me like all these like studious academic questions. I'm just like nodding and yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, right? So if God appeared to me, and lately I've been watching some YouTube videos about creationist scientists. And some of them are like, you know, the, what was it, astrophysicists and whatnot. And they're explaining how certain math you know, equations show the design of God that cannot be disproved. Anybody ever heard of anything like that? It's pretty cool stuff. Look it up, right? 
But see, if God showed me that equation, you know what I would do? I'm like, that's great. <laughs> that's great. A lot of numbers. Seems intense. Somebody ought to figure that out. That's good stuff. I'll wrap it up. But if God appears and God gives a sign and he gives this, he breaks down this chord, right, musical chord, that builds in a sense where in my logical understanding of the chord needs to sound this way. It needs to sound like a major seventh of a ninth added and all that. Like it needs to make sense of this way. However, it creates a complete different harmonious sound that has never been heard. You know what? That's going to touch me. You kind of understand what I'm saying? So God appears in the contextual form and what he did to Moses at this point, you got to know. What's Moses' background again? Levite, right? Well, Levite, Levitical family, right? And he was a royalty. So he was actually taught according to Acts 7, says that he knew a lot. He knew all the ways. He was very smart. However, Moses spent in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. Anybody here used to be good at something, but you haven't done it for a while, and you feel like you've digressed? Anybody? I'm looking at you, dude, because I know what you're about. <laughs> See, that dude right there, one of my friends that came in, he, he was a basketball star. <laughs> he stopped playing for a while, and I, I, I heard all the story about him. I was like, dude, we got a ball. And he shows me his stuff, and he's like, he looks cool, but he breaks all the shots, right? So anyway, <laughs> and I asked him, how many years passed? Just only a couple years. 40 years. <laughs> 40 years in the wilderness, and Moses, all he did, according to the Bible, it seems so, is that he just tended to the household things. One of the key note was tending to the flock of sheep. Not much happened there. So as a result, God had to appear to him in a noticeable sense. What does he do? He appears in the form of a burning bush. What is that for our understanding sake of it? I broke it down into three parts. If you can remember this, I hope that you can kind of reflect back on this and see your life on the line of this, all right? Number one, the norm of nature, okay? The norm of nature. That's what God did. He chose bush. Why? Because Moses saw bush for 40 years, right? He knows the norm of this nature. And what does he do? He tweaks its behavior. You get what I'm saying? It's behaving abnormally now, number two. You get that? But when it does, when it behaves abnormally because it's breaking out of the orderliness of nature of God, it should eventually... The Bible uses the term in the NASB to use this term, be spent. You know what that means? When you spend your money, what happens? I used to have five bucks, but I just bought my friend a boba. I spent the five bucks. What happens? What's in my pocket? Nothing. That's what spent means. Do you get it? But the Bible says that bush was not spent. Meaning what? Number three. It does not disappear. The norm of nature, abnormally behaving, but it does not disappear. See, we only look at the burning bush and we say, oh, it's burning bush. Cool story, dude. Right? But how does this relate to you? Think about it. Has there been an occurrence in your life when something happens outside of the norm of your lifestyle and it starts going wacko? abnormally behaving it should go a certain way but it starts behaving weird whether it's an event whether it's a crisis whether it's a friend whether it's family whatever it is it behaves abnormally and if that goes on something should break that down but it does not disappear it keeps lingering on the burning bush is not spent it keeps burning you know what bible says why that was happening friends Bible says that was happening because God wanted to catch Moses' attention. Sometimes we only think about the burning bush. To some of us, it's a crisis. It's financial crisis because of corona. Dang it, right? And it's family relational problem. Currently, right now, my wife, please keep her in prayer if you know her, even if you don't know her just because I said it. Please pray for my wife, right? My wife's mom is very ill. That has offset it, the entire family plus us. It's not going away. 
get what I'm saying? Not going away. So we're thinking, that sickness is bad. It's not corona, by the way. <laughs> right? That sickness is bad. What do we do with that sickness? But what we need to figure out at that point, it's not that burning bush. It's who's behind the burning bush. God's saying, look at me. <laughs> do you see this? <laughs> do you see me? <laughs> right? That's what God's doing. And sure enough, when Moses takes a look at this, God says, Moses, do you hear me now? That used to be a big slogan, right? Verizon? I, don't, I forgot the sound. <laughs> do you hear me now? God's saying that. Finally, Moses captures that moment. He recognizes God. Verse 4, God called to him out of the bush. But when Moses was about to respond, you know what God does at verse 5? Do not come near. Do not come near. Why? Because you cannot approach at that moment just the way you are. Because your understanding of that moment is too weak. You got to get the full grasp of what's going on. See, if you only just come to God at that moment when the sickness occurred in my mother-in-law's life, I'm only going to focus on, God, you got to heal her. Because Isaiah says, by your stripes we are healed, so you better heal her. You better do this to her. And I would just be stating the fact. But God says, no, do not come near. Take off your sandals. Know that this is a holy ground. And we're thinking, dude, what's, what's the problem with God? He got this pride issue, <laughs> Right? Dude, this guy is just like, you know, you, the poor guy. Why you got to put this on him like that? But God has a point. He's saying, in order for you to hear my voice and know my plan, you need to recognize who I am. This is my moment. This is my time. This is me. I'm appearing in your life. I'm ready to do something with you. But you have to take your sandals off. What sandals got to do with it? Sandals. Thank God nobody's wearing sandals here. I'd be picking on you, right? What sandals got to do with it? It's just a means to say, take a proper gesture. Proper gesture of that form of worship. We'll get more into this later, but think about that. Then God reveals his heart. Verse 7, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. I have heard their cry. I know their sufferings. Remember, say, I have come down to deliver them. To bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 9. The cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression. I'm skipping around. I hope you guys can catch that in the scripture. What is God saying? You see, God, in order to approach Moses, he's like a madman in love. Have you ever been in love, anybody? Is it taboo to talk about being in love in this church? I'm not sure. Because I've been in some churches where, like, until you reach, like, 35, you can't date anybody kind of thing, you know. I'm not sure about this church culture. I'm not sure about you watching. You may be shocked. But the point is, have you been in love? Have you been madly in love with someone, right, to the point where you want to just, like, catch their attention and do something to win their favor? You know what I'm saying? The typical drama plot that's so cheesy and just so mundane. However, you see a guy gets on a bus, right? And his stop is two stops after, but a girl walks in at the next one, and that girl is pretty fine, right? So he's trying to get, uh, like, get her sight and stuff, and then the second stop comes, but he can't get off, so he stays inside. You know what I'm saying? And he waits till the girl gets off, and he, like, he just kind of, like, follows her out, right? And then while he's going, he's trying to talk to her and all that stuff. And then, of course, the drama always happens this way. The lady just cannot hold her stuff down. You know what I'm saying? She walks and she slips. She, like either her stuff falls or she falls and the guy swoops in, <laughs> grabs her and says, are you okay? <laughs> Do you want to have tea? <laughs> right? You know what I'm saying? Is that too old school? Maybe things are different now. I don't know. PP is just like grinning at me. I have no idea what that means. But anyway, you get the point, right? People do crazy things to get their attention. Do you realize God's doing that right here? Does God need to do that? No. What's the nature of God? The easiest way of God to do this. Thunder. On. Light turned to darkness. Now. Boom. Megaphone. 
on. Turn up the bass. 200%. Moses, you better listen or else. Boom, done. Isn't that godlike? At least that's what we think. But what does God do? He fits into the style. He fits into the understanding of Moses to make sure he gets the point. God's madly in love. With who? With us. Amen. Say that to each other. God's in love with me. Can you say that to each other? Y'all are really shy. <laughs> God's in love with me, right? That's a good thing. But see, there's one more thing. See, God's heart that he's revealing is to show that it's filled with brokenness and the cry of his people. Now, being a daddy of four, I'm trying to catch up to Pastor Jung. It's kind of hard because he keeps breaking away. <laughs> just when I thought, dude, I caught up to Pastor Jung because I just got my fourth, I realized he just had his fifth and he's growing or she is growing, right? Am I right? Yeah. So anyway, now I realize that there is moments when my child breaks my heart. And no matter what I do, I'm only thinking about this dude. You know what I mean? And it's true that a lot of people says that the greatest form of love is shown in the maturity of the parents. You've heard that, right? I mean, it's not just the lovey-lovey romantic love, but God shows, exemplifies through the love of the mothers. And what is it like? They are only always thinking about the brokenness of the child. Maybe your moms are like this. She goes out to work, she gets all the money, she rakes it in, but she doesn't spend much on herself. The only thing she thinks about is you who doesn't have enough T-shirts. You only have 25, right? That was a joke. You didn't catch it, but that's okay, right? You know, like all that kind of stuff, that's what moms are thinking about, and God is carrying the same qualities here. He's saying the brokenness of people fills my heart, and that's why God reveals that, that there is a dream of more. Can everybody say that? More. Oh, let's say that louder, please. More. As though, like, you went to Korean barbecue and you just ran out of meat and you're looking at the waiter and saying, more. Say it. More. Right? Because there is so much more in God. And God wants all of us to know that. So that's the revealing of God's heart. And we're getting to the meat of it. The calling of God comes out in verse 10. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people. And then Moses says, who am I that I should go? And then God says, but I will be with you. I'm just skipping through, okay? Bear with me on this. And then Moses says, well, if they ask what is his name, what shall I say to them? And he says, I am who I am. See, the main point that I want to draw out here is the fact that he says, come. He says, come. I love the song today. Oh, come to the altar. It's not, oh, altar starts moving to you when you sit waiting on. It doesn't sing like that. That was pretty good. Y'all should give it up. That was pretty good. I just did that at the, in the spur of the moment, right? But you need to come. God's saying, come. And the rather abnormal statement he follows up with is he says, I will send you. Didn't you just tell me to come? <laughs> but he says, come, I will send you. And God appoints Moses at this point to be a catalyst to God's deliverance movement. Why is this important? Study shows. Now, I want to primarily speak to the young people today, and I hope you catch that. I'm sorry, online viewers, for all the I'm just going to say it in Korean, ajumbas and the ajashis that are out there. I'm sorry, but this is more geared towards young people. Studies show that a lot of young people, they will nowadays more so, right? Before the generations went for the money when they chose their job. You know what the studies show? Now the young people are more in for the cause. Sound like you guys? I mean, money, sure, it's good. But if there's a good cause, you'll rather give your life for it. You know what I mean? That's a special DNA that God has placed in this generation. Praise God for that. Right? That's you guys. And Moses was the same character. He had that desire. He wanted to do the right things. Number one, because he carried that desire, the passion for righteousness. That's why, remember, he struck the Egyptian guy and then he got in trouble after that. Right? But at the same time, he was up, brought in to that family where he was expected to go high and beyond. 
for example, like your parents, for especially the younger folks. I mean, I know that Hemmer Church, your families, your parents are not really about good grades, <laughs> lawyer, doctor. You know, it's, it's not that kind of church. I know that. But yet it gives a different kind of pressure, doesn't it? Pray. <laughs> Read the Bible. Go to dawn prayer five days out of the week. What's wrong with you? That pressure builds up because your parents are great spiritual giants in faith. That pressures you. That pressures me. That makes me want to do greater things for God. But remember, Moses already had a failure moment. Because he thought he was going to do what he knew how to do that. Yet it totally flops and he totally fails. And now he doesn't know what to do because everybody's blaming him for the wrong that's done. So he runs away. Because now he's thinking, if you don't want me, I don't want to be there. I think it's very common in our young people nowadays, especially having grown up in church, to come out to church and you come and you actually try. But there's only one way that you could please the eyes of the public. What is that? Do exactly what they tell you to do. However, young people, I'll be the first to say it here. That's not necessarily your calling. Amen. You're not here to do exactly what your family, your parent tells you to do. Although, for the most part, do listen and obey because that's part of the commandment, okay? <laughs> there, I said it. Ajumas and Ajashis, you better not, like, get at me, right? But what I want you to know is that God has called you and has placed that vision, that desire, that desire to do something great in your life, especially prevalent in your generation is God doing. Amen. Amen. God wanted to plant that in you because God's ready to raise you up and make a big change in the world. Then there comes a big question, right? Then why did I fail? Isn't that right, friends? If you're going to use me to be somebody great, why don't you raise me up like the characters that I've read about, like D.L. Moody, like, you know, all these great Bible heroes that have led revivals after revivals where it seems like their life was great from the beginning, never to fail. Why is it that when I try, I'm looked down as a problem? I want you to learn from Moses. I want you to learn from Moses. Number one, God allowed it. And the 40 years has passed. And I pray that it doesn't happen 40 years for our lives. Amen. But God will take time for us to reflect, number one, but for us to come around to it. And number three, to give in to God. Not to do what we know to be the best, but to give in. And that was the decisive moment God waited. And hear what God's doing. Come, and I will send you. Moses says, what? Me? God says, I have called you for this task. I am God, remember? I am the God of Jacob. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Abraham. I am who I am. And I am calling you to defeat Pharaoh. Me? God, I tried, but I failed miserably. I tried to do that very thing. God says, I know. Now's the time, God says. God's saying, now's the time. What's the difference? Why is it going to happen that way? Well, first, God needed all the things that obstructs God's plan to be moved aside. The sense of maturing that needed to happen, God wanted that to settle in each and every one of our lives. Some of us may be going through that time right now. You feel like you want it. Something great for your Christian life. Maybe you're looking for a change in your school and you prayed, God, if I enter into this Christian club, things better change. Because I'm going to pray. I'm going to preach the word and things better change. Yet, time after time. You have your friends leaving you. Time after time, people come to you and call you a radical freak. So you turn to church. 
You try to fulfill that at the church by doing the right kinds of things. You try to do everything, but you feel like there is more in your heart. Friends, is it wrong to feel like there is more? No, it's not. It's burning and you want more and you keep trying to do something more and eventually you break out of the box and that freaks the older generations out. Whoa. We don't condone hip-hop music during worship. Whoa, what kind of dress is that? Whoa, what kind of friends are you bringing to church? Don't you know that that's sin? Don't you know Christians need to behave this way? And you start getting beat, hit over here, and eventually you start losing energy and you shy away and you're like, maybe I'm just not fit for the task. I'm not fit for the bill. So you escape. You run away. You wait for someone else to do it. At greatest, maybe if I'm a bandwagon. Maybe if I can be one of the fan of the great movement that this church comes to. Maybe if that new guest comes in, the new speaker, the new worship, the new equipment, the new this, the new that, and eventually maybe I may be a part of it. That's at most. Because otherwise all we're thinking is what? I'm not fit for this. There's no way I could carry this out. Friends, I want you to know that God appeared to this Moses. Friends, I want you to be reminded that God purposed for that specific time to appear to Moses. Not any time before. Not when Moses was being raised with the literature. Not when Moses was ready to do amazing things. Not when Moses ran away because he just killed righteously. I don't even know if that's <laughs> those two things fit. But you get my point, right? But God waited for the 40 years past when Moses was able to hear. Why was Moses able to hear? Because there's no other way to go about than to listen. Last week, last month, Pastor Kevin, was it? Came in and preached a wonderful message that said, during Corona, what was God's message for you? See, I'm telling you, I've been listening to similar stuff for the whole week. What has God been speaking to you for the last corona season? And that's important for us. Because this corona is a burning bush. Do you know what I'm saying? Can you see it? It keeps burning. It doesn't get consumed. It's out of the norm. It's behaving abnormally. It should eat itself up, but it does not disappear. It keeps going on. All we focus on vaccine shots, what other, where is it spreading, the variant, all these stories, but yet God is standing, calling out Sam, do you hear me? Calling out Ronnie, Jackie, that's all I got out of this church. I don't know anybody else's name. I wish I could call you guys out, right? <laughs> do you hear me? God's calling. And then Moses answers that's when the calling is magnified. One more thing I want to bring out, because I know my time has been up ever since. Am I right? I don't even know. This church is really nice. At my church, they'd be flying signs over, be like, Pastor, you got to get out. They give me this sign, and they try to turn down my mic up and down and all that stuff. But anyway, y'all are nice. <laughs> One more thing I want to say, and I'll probably go into closing with this. If all of this made sense. The whole argument between God and Moses happens all throughout until chapter 4. At chapter 4, I, I, this is how the story goes. Chapter 3, God keeps encouraging, 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 encouraging. And at chapter 4, God loses it. <laughs> Moses says, me, me, are you sure? Me, 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 my problems my lacking, my failure, are you sure? Me, me, me. And God finally says, look. And you know what he says? Repeat after me. What you got? Yeah, I'm serious. <laughs> Repeat after me. What you got? Online? <laughs> what you got? That's what God says. What you got in your hand? What is in your hand? And there's the moment when all of you guys are thinking, see, I knew it. 
I knew God was going to come down to that. I knew God was going to say, show me your specs. Show me what you're capable of. Show me your set of skills that you're capable of. But God's not up to that. Moses says, staff? <laughs> What's the staff for, guys? You guys? Some of you guys think way too holy. You're like, oh, it's Moses. It must happen for good, holy purpose. But it's not. It's just a staff. And at this point, Moses could be assumed to be quite old. Not quite a youngster. He's quite old. So what's the staff for? Perhaps this. He's simply saying, this, this is all like God. And you are sitting there thinking, man, this is a tough time. And you're right. Maybe I'm not cut for this time, this generation. Maybe I was a mistake. That's exactly where God wanted you to go. Praise God. Amen? That's exactly where God wanted you to go. God did not want you to go to that great place where everything lines up. The moment you come to church, 300 people come. No. God wanted you to be able to experience that hurts and the brokenness. Who knows? One day, you will be the minister to the most broken places of the world. Amen. If that ever happens, who's able to minister the best to them? You. Not me. God has wonderful plans for you that I can only imagine, but believe me, God's going to go beyond our imagination. Let's get an amen to that. Amen. God's going to go way beyond. But only thing that God's asking of you today is one, take off your sandals. Take off your sandals. This is a holy ground. This is the holy moment. God's saying, I'm calling you. Come, respond. Take off your sandals. Don't just come with your baggages. Take it off. Come to me in reverence, recognizing that I can do all things because I can definitely do all things. And I will use you. I will work through you. Take off your sandals. You got that? You got that tonight? That's number one. You got to take off your sandals. You cannot keep luggaging it over. You got to take it off. And when you do, God starts saying, good. I am the one you've been longing for. Come to me. And you say, God, how are you going to use me? God's going to ask you that simple question. What you got? What you got? Give it to me. Does God need that? No. God doesn't need anything that you got. Your skill doesn't even need to be impressive. Only thing that God's actually asking is, are you in or not? Answer that question. Are you in or not? Because if you're in, that's all God wants. That's why he's saying, give me that. What you got? What you got tonight? A whole experience is a failure, but yet my desire to see something new. Today at the worship, at the beginning part when Sam was leading, and the whole worship team was marvelously leading, I almost broke down in tears. I had to hold myself. Because my old friends know I, I cry a lot. <laughs> Whenever grace um, fills me, I respond immediately with tears. And I almost cry because you know why? I don't know if I'm right or not. But I, at least I want to believe that in this room was full of thirst and hunger. I could sense that everybody just wanted that chance of a breakthrough. As a church, we wanted to have that occasion. And maybe you're hoping tonight's that night. Maybe you're banking on me to make that change. I'm telling you, it's not me. Maybe you came with the hope that maybe there will be a turn of the tide, but all the same that there was that thirst and hunger. And I feel the time is ripe because that's what God wanted. Today, God's showing up as a burning bush in your life. And He is going to meet you in that burning bush, not outside of the burning bush. That very problem that you thought you had. God, I prayed at this church for two years. God, I prayed at this church for revival. God, I prayed for my friends to come. That bush that is currently burning is where God's going to meet you. Not outside of it. Do you get me? Don't try to run from your problems you thought. That your desire felt like a failure. God's saying, I'm going to meet you there. To Moses, God appeared in the burning bush. 
you get that? If you guys got that, I want to invite you to a time of a response and prayer. All right? Tonight, I'm going to be frank. I'm not going to ask you to pray the way that you're used to praying, whatever that means. But I'm just going to simply ask you to stand before God and respond. Take off your sandals. Not literally, unless you want to. And show Him what you got. Can I pray for us? God, we are thankful for this moment of recognition. God, who are we to handle such grand tasks? Who are we to live through such a historic time? Who are we to experience something that only history book will mark and talk about? Yet look at us, Lord. All we talk about is complaints and the hardships that limits us down and we just cannot break out of it. But Lord, thank you. Even this is what you have intended, right, Lord? Even this is what you intended so we can come face to face with that burning bush, the abnormality, the norm that is challenged, that ceases, that does not cease to disappear. God, this is the place that you wanted to meet us so we could gladly enter in now. We could gladly bring ourselves to that place to say, here I am, Lord. Here we are, Lord. The church, me, we're here and we want to see the deliverance of God that is so seemingly overdue in our generation's time. So much crisis, so much problems that we could not resolve. We are here. God, please help us. Help our people, help our church, help our generation, help our nation. God, do something with us. Work in our lives. God, we are desperate for you. We may not know it to the full, but tonight we want to come face to face to that burning bush here tonight. So speak unto us. Continue to move in our heart. Convict us to action. Help us to take off our sandals. God, bless your church. Amen. 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 Rise with me, church. Rise with me. And for this moment, join with me in this time of singing. And let's make this a song into our prayers, into our cries. I ask you to sing if you would like. If you want to remain there, remain. If you want to pray, pray. Whatever you got. Remember, God, burning bush, what you got is the thing that God's asking.